0: Hello, friends. Welcome to the Functional Nurse Practitioner Podcast. I'm a board-certified family nurse practitioner who believes in utilizing functional medicine strategies in order to provide a more comprehensive approach for optimal health. The current model of care in healthcare is very lacking, which led me down the road of functional medicine. Functional medicine is a systems biology approach, which looks at uncovering the root causes for the symptoms we are having in order to allow for healing versus simply applying a Band-Aid to the situation. I believe we need an integrative approach of both conventional and functional medicine in order to provide the best care possible. I feel so strongly about this that I had to leave my conventional medicine practice. While conventional medicine thrives with acute care issues, there is much to be desired with regards to chronic conditions. No longer could I practice in an institution where volume of patients rather than optimization of health was its driving force. I started my own practice, specializing in functional medicine, where I work with my clients to uncover their unique story, utilizing the functional medicine timeline and matrix, identifying the antecedents, triggers, and mediators driving the disease process, assists with getting to the root causes of the symptoms in order to allow for healing. This personalized approach leads to improved health outcomes. If you want to work with me and live in Indiana, head on over to my website at www.thefunctionalnursepractitioner.com and click the link to book your free introductory call just a quick disclaimer that this podcast is meant for educational purposes only and is not meant to diagnose or be a substitute for medical advice from your practitioner also if you like what you hear on this show i would be real appreciative if you would leave a review on spotify itunes or wherever you're listening from and subscribe to the show okay on to today's episode Today, we are continuing the conversation regarding fat. Last week, we began the series talking about body fat. We dove deep into white fat and brown fat. We talked about the different types of white fat, their role in the body. We went in depth about brown fat and its unique implications for metabolic health and also weight management. If you missed this discussion, I highly recommend you go back and listen to episode 38, as all body fat is not created equal, and a thorough understanding of this can be of great benefit for your overall health. Today, we were going to jump into oils. You guys are bursting at the seams about this topic. Friends, before we tackle this overwhelming topic, I do feel it is vitally important to first grasp... What Fatty Acids Are You have likely heard about omega-3s and probably also omega-6. Understanding the fatty acid biosynthesis pathway will only help with truly appreciating the conversation on oils. Omega-3 and omega-6 fatty acids are vital for life. In fact, both omega-3 and omega-6 fatty acids are essential. Remember that essential means the body requires it to function, but cannot synthesize it on its own, meaning we need to obtain these crucial components through our foods. Today's conversation was inspired by a question from one of my listeners, John. John asked, are omega-3 and omega-6 fats necessary? I'm a vegetarian and have heard this could be a problem as I don't eat fish. What's the real story? Thank you, John, for your questions. As a reminder, I thought it would be super fun to shout out a listener, viewer each week. I get a lot of requests for shows, questions like John's. I absolutely love hearing from you. If you have a suggestion or question, send me a DM, email, or comment on a YouTube video. Links are in the show notes. John, we will answer your questions today as we dive deep into fatty acids. I have broken this show into three segments to better help you navigate as we're talking about many different things today. Segment one, fatty acids and their importance in our health. What are fatty acids and why are they necessary? Overview of the fatty acid pathway, beta oxidation, utilizing fatty acids for energy, lipolysis versus lipogenesis, what you need to know. Segment two, omega-3 and omega-6 fatty acids. Deep dive into omega-3 and omega-6 fatty acids, food sources for omega-3 fatty acids, food sources for omega-6 fatty acids, the need for balance between omega-3 and omega-6, and segment three, the concept of omega-3 to omega-6 ratio. Optimal ratio, the modern diet and the skewed ratio, How to Achieve Balance. Friends, this is going to be another fabulous episode. If you're not already subscribed to the show, why not? (laughs) We talk about all the important topics you want to know about every week. Whatever you are doing, wherever you are, let's lean into fatty acids. Fatty acids and their importance in our health. What exactly are fatty acids? Fatty acids are organic molecules. They are types of fat or lipids that serve as essential building blocks of fats, playing a crucial role in a variety of biological processes. Fatty acids consist of long hydrocarbon chains that have a carboxylic acid group at one end. This chain, hydrocarbon chain, varies in length and can be either saturated, no double bonds between the carbon atoms, or unsaturated, containing one or more double bonds. If you remember our conversation on reading nutrition labels, episode 37, if you missed it, polyunsaturated fats have more than one double bond, and monounsaturated fats have a single double bond. The further we go down this rabbit hole, the more clear things will become, leading us to next week's discussion on oils. Trust me, friends, this makes so much more sense as we piece it together. Fatty acids are categorized into three main types based on the number of double bonds, monounsaturated, polyunsaturated, or saturated. Fatty acids are essential components of cell membranes. They are crucial for cellular structure and function, influencing membrane fluidity. Fatty acids also serve as a major source of energy for our bodies. I know what you're thinking. Tara, I thought you said that was glucose. Yes, glucose is a major source of energy, but what about when you're not eating? Our bodies still require energy. Think about your heart. Does it ever stop beating? Hopefully not. Our heart cells create energy by oxidizing fatty acids. Think of the amount of energy required to keep our heart beating. Our skeletal muscle also oxidizes lipids or fats. When we are at rest or during low-intensity exercises, our skeletal muscle utilizes fatty acids. When we exceed low-intensity exercises, our body will shift and switch to glucose oxidation. Our bodies are so miraculous. I have been toying with an idea for a show where we zero in on exercise and capitalizing on our knowledge of energy to aid with fat loss. Let me know if you are interested in a dedicated episode and I will give you a shout out. During a fast, we can utilize fatty acids from our own fat cells through a process called lipolysis. This is where we tap into our fat stores to free up fatty acids. Lipogenesis is the process of fatty acid and subsequent triglyceride synthesis and happens in our fat tissue and also the liver. Lipogenesis occurs in a fed state. Excess carbohydrates are turned into fat for later use. Lipogenesis plays an integral role, not only with metabolic processes, but also with our nervous system our immune system. Research suggests that too much or insufficient lipogenesis is associated with changes in lipid homeostasis. These changes may have pathological consequences like fatty liver disease, diabetes, autoimmune conditions, cardiovascular disease, viral infections, neurodegenerative diseases aging, and also cancer. We are highly adaptive creatures. We have survived for so long because of our ability to adapt. We are probably less adaptive at this point because most of us have a plethora of foods available at all times. And many of these foods, air quotes over here, are not actually foods for optimal health. They are highly processed garbage. When we're in a fasted state, or when we're sick, both of which are considered a catabolic stressor. Catabolic meaning breaking things down. When we're in a catabolic state, fatty acids are an integral part of our energy. Oxidation of fatty acids produces acetyl coenzyme A. This metabolite is derived from not only fatty acids, but also glucose and certain amino acids. There are three ways in which acetyl-CoA is generated. Oxidation of long chain fatty acids, oxidative decarboxylation of pyruvate from glycolysis. Glycolysis is the process in which glucose is broken down, forming pyruvate. Acetyl-CoA is also generated through oxidative catabolism of certain amino acids. Our ability to use different mechanisms to create energy really gives me an appreciation for our bodies. I do feel we should celebrate our bodies, our remarkable ability to survive. The process of fatty acid oxidation mainly occurs in our mitochondria, the energy powerhouses of our cells. Fatty acids play a crucial role with our immune system, signaling pathways, inflammation. Segment 2, omega-3 and omega-6 fatty acids. We have different types of fatty acids. We are focusing on omega-3 and omega-6 today, both of which are polyunsaturated fatty acids. They are necessary for our overall health and well-being. Polyunsaturated fats get a bad rap, and we tend to forget that omega-3s are polyunsaturated as well. Remember what we talked about last week. All these fats, foods like olive oil, avocado oil, nuts and seeds, they are not all one type of fat, rather a combination of all three. Polyunsaturated, monounsaturated, and saturated. Our bodies break down fats into fatty acids. I liken it to protein, being broken down into amino acids. Now let's talk about the omega-3 and omega-6 pathway. Omega-3 and omega-6 polyunsaturated fatty acids are metabolized by the same enzymes. Therefore, they act competitively. We need both omega-3 and omega-6. But in general, this is definitely a simplified explanation. Omega-3s promote vasodilation, and inhibit clots and inflammation, whereas omega-6s promote vasoconstriction, inflammation, and clots. Overconsuming omega-6 fatty acids, which the standard American diet, the SAD diet, is strongly associated with, is one of the major causes of atherosclerosis, inflammatory conditions, and other chronic diseases. We will get into the ratios later on in the show. Let's zero in on the omega-3 pathway. ALA, alpha-linolenic acid, is the first step in this process. It is an essential omega-3 fatty acid. We cannot synthesize it, so we must obtain it through our foods or supplementation. If you know me, then you know I am a food-first individual, if at all possible. ALA through a series of enzymatic reactions converts to EPA, ecosapentaenoic acid, and DHA, docosahexaenoic acid. Am I the only one who finds these words very hard to pronounce? EPA has many health benefits and is an integral part of our overall health. EPA is a long-chain omega-3 fatty acid with 20 carbon atoms and five double bonds. EPA is a crucial part of our cell membranes and also plays a variety of important roles in the body. EPA has been shown to lower triglyceride levels and reduce the risk of cardiovascular disease. EPA has anti-inflammatory properties, and competes with arachidonic acid, an omega-6 fatty acid for the same metabolic enzymes. The omega-3 and the omega-6 pathways both use the same enzymes for converting down the line. Omega-3 starts as ALA, using the enzyme delta-6 desaturase. ALA is converted to steroidonic acid, then utilizing another enzyme, Delta-6-elongase, steronodonic acid is converted to eicosatrenyloic acid. Citronin... I... acid. Then, utilizing delta-5-D saturase, it is converted to EPA. And this continues all the way to DHA. EPA can be beneficial in reducing inflammation. EPA is also a critical component of our brain cell membranes, playing a vital role in brain health and cognitive function. This is particularly important during fetal development and early childhood, but remains crucial throughout life. Some studies suggest that EPA may have a positive impact on our mental health. EPA assists with regulating our immune system responses modulating the production of inflammatory mediators. I am very interested in this as I have an upregulated immune system with my hopeless autoimmune conditions. Friends, I am sassy today. EPA can also promote skin health as it supports the skin's barrier function and reduces inflammation. This may be Very beneficial for those with conditions like eczema and psoriasis. My youngest son has psoriasis. He's only 24. Jokingly, he blames me. Some days, I do as well. I have to remind myself that I did not know the impact food has on our health. I knew we needed foods, but I did not realize the incredible impact. When I think of the foods I would buy, Fruity Pebbles, Lunchables, Caprice on drinks, I don't believe in beating ourselves up for what we do not know. I can't unsee what I have seen. I cannot unknow the truth. I also believe that we have to meet people where they're at, and even small changes can have an impact on our health. He is not ready to ditch the processed shit. I talk with him about things he can add in. It's easy to say, just eliminate everything bad. Do you have enough foods you like? I greatly dislike impersonal protocols and always prioritize the individual in front of me. He has branched out and adds in foods like broccolini. He has cooked his own meals sometimes rather than eating at a restaurant. It's a start. EPA has been shown to be helpful with those with rheumatoid arthritis. This makes sense as it has anti-inflammatory properties. We need to talk about DHA. This long-chain omega-3 fatty acid with 22 carbon atoms and 6 double bonds is vitally important for our health, playing a key role in our brain and eye health. DHA is a major structural component of the brain. Over half of our brain is comprised of fat, especially long-chain omega-3 polyunsaturated fatty acids, PUFAs. DHA accounts for more than 90% of the PUFAs in our brain. DHA is essential for brain development and also cognitive function. Of course, this is crucial for fetal development, but also all throughout life. DHA supports memory learning our overall cognitive function. DHA is also important for our eye health, contributing to visual acuity and function. DHA also exhibits anti-inflammatory properties, competing with arachidonic acid. We mentioned this earlier, and we'll get into omega-6 fatty acids in a bit. DHA also contributes to heart health, reducing triglycerides, improving blood vessel function, assisting with maintaining healthy blood pressure and cholesterol levels. DHA, like EPA, has been studied for its role in supporting our mental health and emotional well-being. DHA has been shown to likely have a positive impact on mood and may help with depression and anxiety. Let's turn our attention to the omega-6 pathway. Linoleic acid is the first step of this pathway and is an essential omega-6 fatty acid. The same enzymes that convert along the omega-3 pathway are utilized in the omega-6 pathway. This is why they compete with one another. LA converts to GLA, gamma-linolenic acid which then converts to di gamma acid. Next, utilizing the delta-5-desaturase enzyme, it is converted into arachidonic acid, or AA. The enzyme delta-5-desaturase is the same enzyme that converts DGLA to EPA on the omega-3 pathway. This enzyme in particular has been studied for its role In cancer progression, D5D is a key enzyme for regulating PUFAs. Suppression of D5D has been identified as a very promising anti-cancer strategy. Arachidonic acid is not all bad. Remember, it is an essential omega-6 fatty acid and is involved in various cellular processes, including immune responses, our nervous system, and inflammation. Both omega-3 and omega-6 polyunsaturated fatty acids play a key role in cellular function. They are the precursors of potent mediators regulating inflammation in the body. SPMs specialized Pro-resolving mediators, through a complex multi-step process, are created from omega-3 fatty acids to protectins, myresins, and resolvins. Lipoxins are synthesized from omega-6 fatty acids. I am such a nerd, but I find this information so freaking interesting. SPMs regulate cytokine and chemokine production, playing a critical role With our overall health. It is so interesting how this is not a rigid process. A key takeaway point, we need omega-3 and omega-6 fatty acids. Unfortunately, our current society culture, and I'm grouping us all together, but of course there are different cultures. We are not all the same. What does seem to be congruent is that as a whole, we consume an overabundance of omega-6 fatty acids and on average, not nearly enough omega-3. That is why the ratio matters. The arachidonic acid cascade can be a whole show on its own as its reach spreads far and wide. Upregulated inflammatory pathways lead to the production of more prostaglandins. Remember our pain-inducing friends from the estrogen dominance episode? My first podcast episode, holding steady as the second most popular show. If you missed it, go back to episode one and give it a listen. Upregulated inflammatory pathways lead to more prostaglandins, which then lead to more aromatase, leading to more estrogen. Mind-blowing, isn't it? This is why we need a multifaceted approach With regards to our health, I believe it matters what we tell our patients and clients. What we discuss, the information matters. I don't just prescribe a drug and say, good luck. I don't just recommend a supplement and say, hope it helps. Supplements, drugs, they can help with symptoms. They can create new symptoms. Yes, friends, even supplements can have negative downstream effects. It matters. I tell my clients, it isn't one thing, it's everything. How can we approach your health and wellness through the lens of sleep, stress management, nutrition, movement, relationships? These five crucial areas, the bottom of the matrix, can dramatically impact all aspects of our health. Understanding the role of omega-3s and 6s, how they can affect our bodies, why it matters that they are in balance, can change your life. It changed mine. Let's talk about food sources of omega-3 fatty acids. ALA comes from plants. DHA and EPA are in algae, krill, and fish, predominantly. Some of the highest amounts of DHA and EPA come from mackerel salmon, oysters, sea bass, sardines, and shrimp. I made a delicious salad yesterday with grilled shrimp and asparagus on top. So good. I love a big salad with lots of different colorful plants topped with something cooked and hot like shrimp. Yum. Some great vegetarian sources of omega-3s include algae, and seaweed. Nori, chlorella, and spirulina are also great sources. I add a little spirulina to my morning smoothie every day. Chia seeds, flax seeds, and hemp hearts are also excellent sources of ALA. I put two heaping teaspoons of each in my smoothie every day. My smoothie has a lot of ingredients. Even when I travel, I make my smoothie. That means traveling with my Vitamix and little jars pre-filled with all the powders, but I don't mind. I look forward to this supercharged breakfast every day. Walnuts, edamame, soybeans, kidney beans are also great sources. It is possible to obtain sufficient omega-3s on a vegetarian or vegan diet. Algae is a fantastic source. Food sources of omega-6 fatty acids include walnuts, pistachios, almonds, sunflower seeds, tofu, vegetable oil, canola oil, corn oil, sunflower oil, so the shit oils, contain high amounts of omega-6 fatty acids. I know, I know, you are jonesing for next week's conversation. Hang in there with me. We need both omega-3 and omega-6 fatty acids. Segment 3, the concept of omega-3 to omega-6 ratio. Is there a ratio that is optimal? Glad you asked. Up until this past century, the omega-6 to 3 ratio was around 4 to 1. Our modern-day diet is dramatically different, providing around 20 to 1 in favor of omega-6. Why is this? How did we go from 4 to 1 to 20 to 1? Ding, 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 ding. You guessed it. Overconsumption of industrialized omega-6 seed oils. I am not sitting at home drinking oil. You? I hope not. Where, oh where, is all of the oil coming from? Have you read your labels? The nutrition labels on your prepackaged foods? Shout out to episode 37 decoding nutrition labels. You guys loved that episode. I am almost done with the YouTube version. Guys, it takes work to produce a lengthy video with hundreds of overlays. B-roll for your visual pleasure. The functional nurse practitioner. Head over to YouTube and hit that subscribe button. I would be real appreciative. With our diet changing so dramatically, with greater than 60% of our food coming from processed foods is it really any wonder why our consumption of omega-6 has risen when we lack the long chain omega-3 fatty acids it perpetuates a pro-inflammatory state what is the ideal ratio there are so many 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 opinions out there friends i combed through as much literature as i could i actually love reading journal articles Every article I read talked about reducing omega-6 fatty acids for better health and reduced disease. Most spoke about the necessary reduction of omega-6 oils. In the past, it seemed like 4 to 1 was the norm. Some said 5 to 1, 3 to 1. I did find a peer-reviewed article in the journal Open Heart that talked about a ratio of 1 to 1, or two-to-one, being more consistent with our diet throughout time. Numerous other health experts (laughs) said loosely the word expert. Blogs, etc. talked about one-to-one ratio. Ultimately, if we reduce added shit oils, if we bring in omega-3s through foods or even supplements, we will be positively impacting our health. I don't feel that an absolute number... A ratio that we track on a daily basis is probably necessary. It may be beneficial for a little while to track nutrients through an app like Chronometer. I use this app and love it. If you're planning on tracking, be sure to check the allotted amounts for each nutrient. The app had amounts for targets set for omega-3 at 1.1 grams per day and omega-6 at 12 grams per day. I changed my target level of omega-3 to four grams per day. So my ratio is set to three to one. The American Heart Association has an article on their website stating that consuming three grams of omega-3s daily, either through food or supplementation, may be helpful with lowering blood pressure. I agree. And that is only one of the many benefits. Remember, it's not about an absolute number, but the ratio between the two as they compete with each other if you are consuming 25 grams of omega 6s daily then 3 grams of omega 3 is not enough i know this can sound overwhelming and i do feel we don't necessarily have to track just be mindful of your omega 6 intake my morning smoothie has 6.9 grams Of omega 3 fatty acids. Remember all those yummy add ins flax, chia, hemp, etc.? My ratio seems to be consistently around 1.3 to 2 omega 6s to omega 3s. How do I feel? Well, I used to feel awful. I had cramps. I feel like I had cramps almost every day, not just during my menstrual cycle. My cycle averaged seven days. I had daily headaches, joint pain, so not feeling all that great. It is rare that I feel like this anymore. I now can see how food affects me. We went on vacation last week to Chattanooga, Tennessee, one of my all-time favorite places. We are avid mountain bikers, and Raccoon Mountain is one of my favorite places to ride. I brought my Vitamix. I started my day off right every day. I did, however... Indulge in a couple of cupcakes. I can't remember the last time I had a cupcake. One of my favorite cupcake shops downtown had gluten free options. They offered either gluten free or vegan. I needed both. I don't do so well with dairy. I, of course, got the gluten free because that is one of my non negotiables. I immediately could tell it was loaded with sugar. Sugar is highly inflammatory. I particularly enjoyed the chocolate cupcake. My body, however, did not appreciate my indulgence. The next day, my body hurt all over. I had a headache. When you spend most of your life feeling pain, and then you have a length of time you do not feel pain, it is very unpleasant. I told my husband that as much as I enjoyed the cupcake, it wasn't worth it. I don't want to feel bad. Next time, I will make a gluten-free dairy-free cupcake without all that inflammatory sugar and bring it with me. I did double up on my fish oil while I was out of town. We also cooked our meals, except for the morning we headed back, we did hit up one of our favorite breakfast spots. They did not use those shit oils. I may sound extreme, and that's because I am. What I went through, losing my thyroid, being told I'm hopeless with autoimmunity, It changed me. My threshold has reduced. This is something I talk a lot about with my clients. I have had numerous friends ask me how I suddenly developed an intolerance to gluten. I grew up eating bread every day, twice a day. My grandfather would buy the Frank Sinatra loaf for breakfast. If you know, you know. At lunch, I had my sandwich made with the French-style loaf. Who am I kidding? Three times a day. At dinner, usually back To the Frank Sinatra loaf, I loved the sesame seeds. I ate pasta five to seven days a week. I ate devil dogs. (laughs) When I reached my threshold, something shifted. I do not tolerate gluten at all anymore. I get a rash, a bad one. I have the worst pain, all over body pain. I feel sick like I have the flu. The last time I was inadvertently glutened, I was sick for a week. I miss bread, but I do not want to feel like that ever again. We keep stacking weights. I used this analogy before from Dr. Eric Balcavage. He has the Thyroid Answers podcast. He too is very opinionated, and I really love his show. He talks about a board on two cinder blocks and that throughout life, we keep stacking weights onto the board. We put a weight on, take a weight off. Maybe it's your poor diet, lack of sleep, stress, weights added to the board. Eventually, the board breaks. Was it the last five pound weight you put on that board that broke the board? Or was it the accumulation of all the weights? If you just remove the last stressor, are you better? This is how I think of our threshold. My bar is set lower than it used to be. Small amounts of previously tolerated junk, like sugar, affect me pretty severely. When I work with my clients, the first thing we need to do is identify their triggers, mediators, what is driving the symptoms. Then, how can we reduce the triggers? I don't believe in perfection. I am far from perfect. How can you offset potentially negative things? As an example, if you know you will be traveling and your routine will be compromised to some degree, how can you care for yourself? If you have a dramatic change to your sleep, to your stress, you eat out for every meal, what is the cumulative effect? Maybe you haven't yet exceeded your threshold and you seem to be unfazed by stressors. I implore you to dig deeper. I never realized the effect my poor diet shit lifestyle had on my health. I accepted my painful periods, my headaches, my anxiety. I didn't see the connection. Now that I have identified my triggers and removed them as much as possible, my symptoms are gone. They will resurface to a lesser degree with even small doses of inflammatory stressors. That is when I usually opt to take a strategic probiotic, double up on my omega-3s, or change the form. I recently started using cod liver oil. I know it sounds terrible, (laughs) but it's actually not bad. I am not suggesting that you continue on the sickness pathway, refusing to make changes, and opting for a drug or supplement instead. That will only Band-aid the situation, if at all. I'm talking about having the flexibility to live your life. Walk the pathway for optimization, but allow yourself to live imperfectly. I went dancing last night. (laughs) I love to dance. Usually I'm in bed by 8 or 8:30. I am very boring. I didn't get home until 10 o'clock. I gave myself grace, I loved myself cared for myself. I fed my soul with dancing. I fueled up with over 30 plants, a serving and a half of wild-caught shrimp, lots of phytonutrients, omega-3s, fiber. I made sure I was hydrated. When I got home, I did not skimp with my sleep routine. I took a shower, got cozy, and read my book to unwind. I shifted my wake time to ensure I would get at least seven solid hours of sleep. I don't do this every night, but I know the benefits of joy. I know the importance of relationships. I work from home. I spend most days by myself. I have a more sedentary life now that I work from home. I have to get creative with ensuring I'm getting enough movement in my day. That I'm not living too much in isolation. Did you know that isolation is inversely related to health and wellness? We need to see the big picture. I bring it back to the bottom of the matrix. How are you sleeping? What is your stress management like? How about nutrition, movement, relationships? We can move the needle towards better health in so many ways. Do you have a partner on your wellness journey? It is vitally important that you trust who you work with, that you feel heard. If you want to work with me and live in Indiana, head on over to my website at www.thefunctionalnursepractitioner.com and click the link to book your free introductory call. Next week, we are jumping into the deep end and we'll get into the nitty gritty of oils. If you're getting value from this show, share it with a friend, rate the show, leave a review, send me a DM, email, comment on a YouTube video if you have an idea for a show. Everything is linked in the show notes. I hope you enjoyed spending time with me today and I will see you very soon. Bye friends.